0: Hey guys, welcome to another DSD podcast. Today with us, we have Alex Falcone, who runs the Proper Person and our Nevada Judges website. Uh, earlier today, we actually recorded a, or not recorded, we did a live show. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, you should definitely check out the replay. It was probably a few weeks ago. I'll leave the, the link for that video in the show notes. Uh, Alex and I have... Uh, uh, known each other for about a year. Um, he was the first person I ever interviewed a year ago about his story. And since then, we've remained in contact and we talk eh, semi regularly. And he's an active participant on uh, the live show chats and on the Discord. So I'm really glad to have an opportunity just to sit down one on one. And uh, chat with Alex about what he has going on and what he's doing and and uh, some of the lessons learned and, and the different things that he's been able to accomplish. And uh, so, Alex, thanks, man, for, for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Dwayne, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. So, um, you know... W- it's weird, right? I mean, we look at the everything that we've been, both of us have been doing for the last year. I mean, your, your YouTube channel is growing. Um, you're creating videos. Uh, what do you? Do, what is your schedule now? Three times a week?
1: I create a video every other day if I can help it. And that usually amounts to uh, three times a week because every now and then I'll miss a day.
0: Yeah, I, 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 he, he's actually starting to make me feel bad because I'm, I'm sitting here trying to find time to make videos. And it's like, Alex, you know, boom, the proper person has posted another video. <laughs> boom, the proper person has posted another <laughs> video. I'm like,
1: yeah. dang it.
0: I'm slacking.
1: <laughs> yeah, if only that were true. I think you actually probably put like 300% more work into your videos. But yeah, it's, it's a lot easier when you when you don't do any editing and you just uh, publish the video. No,
0: but you have really great information, and 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 guys, if you if you haven't had a chance to to see Alex's stuff, and you know, I mean, his whole his whole project is basically about the family court system, how to represent yourself and be successful in it. I know a lot of people say that you you know you should never do that, and but uh, a lot of people don't have the money and the resources to you know, to, to pay somebody a ton of money to, to litigate
1: their case. That's right. The phrase, you should never do that, is very often stated, but that implies it's a choice. And for people who are in a high-conflict custody battle, at least, it's not a choice because we're not talking five or $10,000 here. To represent yourself through a high-conflict case, it could go well into the hundreds of thousands just because yeah. it it, it's, it becomes a game for the opponent. So it's people are not choosing to represent themselves. They're being forced to, or they're just opting out.
0: Well, see, and that's the scary part, right? Because that's what happens is somebody will turn around and they'll just, they'll give up because they can't, they can't. uh, At some point you have to look at your long-term future and if destroying yourself financially,
1: is, you know, it's not an option for a lot of people. And it's really not. It wasn't an option for me. I didn't destroy myself financially. I just represented myself. It wasn't an option for me either. And it's it's tragic because it's not even just your own life that ends up ruined, but your kids' lives. And it's only because you just couldn't afford to um, hire an attorney to represent you through multiple proceedings. It's not because you're a bad person or a bad parent or incompetent or you don't have a job or anything anything of those, you know, types of things. It's just because you just couldn't afford it and you just quit or you gave up.
0: Well, yeah. I mean in one of the, the earlier on the live show there was one of the viewers who had called in and was talking about how they had a good paying job. They had hundreds of thousand dollars in savings and it all all evaporated because of this high conflict basically narcissistic-type divorce.
1: Right, and he was talking about four hearings over the course of 13 years. I yeah. had 20-some hearings over the course of six years. And, I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It, your money...
0: Well, you couldn't have done... If you would have had an attorney, you wouldn't have never been able to, to litigate that with an attorney.
1: I would have not been able to litigate through even just the basic... Child custody petition. I wouldn't have even made it through that process. So that's not even starting the post judgment proceedings, which dwarfed the original proceedings by, I don't know what multiple to give you, but maybe we'll say just 16 times as much work, effort, papers, pleadings, and hearings. Well, and you did most of that yourself, right? Yeah. I I did. I had to.
0: Yeah. I had no choice. So let me ask you this. Whenever you were going through that, I mean, did you, did you, I mean, when it started, I'm sure you weren't expecting it to be as bad as it was, or maybe you were, but I mean, at what point did you say, okay, I'm not going to roll over and I can't pay someone, so I'm just going to try to do this myself? What was the, the catalyst for that? Well, I happened to be
1: so poor that I accepted that right from the beginning because oh, I was okay. in college and i was making like 10,000 a year i could have oh, made dear more God. if i wasn't work uh, going to school i could have probably worked more but i wasn't i was working you know maybe 10 hours a week
0: oh, wow. at, a, at okay. a pretty
1: low wage job so you just don't make a lot of money so but that actually
0: probably was a good thing though right i mean cuz otherwise you could have been stuck with with Child support and I mean a bunch a bunch of obligations that would have locked you in and even limited you more, right?
1: Absolutely, that could have that that was that was a possibility there. And because my income was so low, but you know I can't fully say that because I'm right out of the gate, my ex had primary physical custody and was receiving child support, and they weren't very understanding of my situation as a student. Right out of the gate, they wanted to impute my income wow. as willfully underemployed. So you know it was a no mercy situation. Um, so even that, I, I mean, they could have just. Forced me out of school and forced me to get a job. Oh, wow. And that that never went away. That came up later, um, several years later, it was an issue with the same judge. But I don't want to get into that quite yet. So just. Was... Well,
0: okay. So, and that kind of rolls into um, you know, when did you decide to start creating the Our Nevada Judges website? And actually, you know what? It, could you explain a little bit what that is? Because
1: um, I <laughs> yes. think a lot of people don't really understand what that whole project actually is. Well, I initially started out thinking that the system was the problem and the laws were the problem. That was until I started winning appeals. And when I started winning appeals, I realized maybe the system isn't the problem. Maybe it's just that the judges aren't applying the law correctly. Because oh, okay. to win an appeal, the judge has to have made a mistake. It's not a separate courtroom where you just try again a second time with different judges and hope that they disagree. The whole process involves pinpointing a mistake that the judge has made and correcting it. So I realized then that... Um, maybe there is some kind of information that i can look up online to see how many mistakes these judges are uh, have made oh okay all right when i went to look for it I, I couldn't believe it but there there's no information the statistics on how often judges make mistakes is not Anywhere that I could see. Nowhere public. Right. And so it made me really open my eyes and realize the judges are making mistakes because nobody's watching them. Nobody's nobody cares. Que- nobody's questioning it, right? Yeah. they. If, if you make a mistake and your decisions are reversed but nobody knows, do you really care? Right. Yeah, there's no visibility in it. I just couldn't believe it. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to make this website. I'm a software engineer. I'm going to make the website. So I just decided to start making it. And right away, it got popular with certain attorneys and certain judges, the ones that didn't have issues. Right. And right away, it made some enemies with certain judges and attorneys who didn't like the influence it was having. That influence being namely that the judges started to suddenly care about their decisions being reversed. And I'm not even talking about all of them. I mean... A lot of them didn't even know about the existence of the site until an election came up or somebody brought oh, it to the Oh, People were attention. quoting it probably, uh-huh, right? Yeah, <laughs> That's People funny. were quoting it and linking it. And so, yeah, the purpose of the site is just to compile the, the data on the judges in the state of Nevada as to how often their decisions are reversed. People should know. And that's a, it's an excellent metric for competency because it's not my personal opinion or the opinion of some lawyers or some random person. It's the opinion of the Supreme Court of Nevada. It's not something that you can ignore. Right. And so if you go on the website and you see a judge has an error rate of 50% and that's your family wow. judge, that's alarming And there are some with 50 or 60% error rates. Just to think that you can go into a courtroom and flip a coin and heads, the judge is correct, tails, the judge made a mistake, that's alarming to people. Most people don't even know that that's a concept. Most people think whatever the judge says is, is the law. The, The thought that the judge could make a mistake just doesn't even cross their mind. So that's the whole purpose of the site is to shift attention away from We need to change the system and change the laws and towards we need to purge the uh, courts of incompetent judges because the laws for the most part now are fine i'm sure there's some areas where there could be some improvement but in my case i won using existing law i didn't lobby the legislature to change any statutes i didn't need to the laws already were in my favor i mean they were fair what i needed was for the judges to apply them correctly and hence, why I had to file so many appeals I've, got, I've had four orders reversed so far, not a lawyer and i it was also published on a writ petition, which is a little bit more complicated. But if we go into that, then I can talk about it more
0: so but one thing I just want to mention is is that this was a a long process i mean this wasn't something that you you appealed four times in a year and won i mean this was this was a,
1: a, a an evolved battle you know it wasn't a sprint it was a marathon it was absolutely a marathon it was 6 years we're talking when i up to to getting a primary physical custody and then an extra couple of years for some other changes a total of 8 years of litigation and the appeals typically spanned ar- around 6 to 9 months f- for each appeal some of them were really quick i got one appeal reversed in 3 months i couldn't believe it it wow. was just Appeal reversed. It was so fast, even the judge was stunned. And then, uh, that's good though. The right. The first question he asked me was, "Are you an attorney or do you work for one?" And I was like, "No." And the second question he asked me is, "How old are you?" Because I was 29 at the time, and he couldn't what, believe that I was warranted. this the judge or was this the appellate the judge? Wow! Yeah, he was. He was very respectful in the court. He just his decision was completely wrong. And then the uh, the writ petition I filed took a really long time. That was like a year and a half, I think. No, two years. Yeah, it takes a long time. So, how long ago did you start our Nevada judges? How long has the site been on? I started it in, if I remember correctly, May of 2014. I might be oh, okay. off so by it's a month been a while or two. While then. Right, but back then it didn't have as much information as it does now, and so it, w- it was used and it did. I mean, I did get donations uh, from judges and lawyers. Oh wow, really? Yeah, not very many. I think it was just like two judges. Well, that's and then, cool, though. and then the lawyers, I think it was like 3 or 4. Or they were candidates. Um, but it just was nothing like what it is today. It, now it has election data, term history, election history, results history. There's an inc- interconnected web uh, between data, uh, uh, judges, and candidates and their terms. There's just a lot more. Uh, it's it's just a lot more there now, and it's a lot more popular now than it was before.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the good part. Well, not I guess. I mean, the good part is is that if if I was going through that situation here, and you know, in this area, um. And my, I was assigned Judge Smith. I could look up Judge Smith and see, you know, does is he overturned all the time? Is yeah. It, is he fair? Is yeah. It, you know, I mean, and at least it helps you understand
1: what you're getting into. Not only that, but I don't even know if you have this in California. But you can straight up. So. Well, what I was going to say is, I don't think you have peremptory challenge of judge in California. So you can straight up go from the website to saying I don't want this judge and file a peremptory challenge of judge in your case. And it will remove the judge from your case. There, he can't stop it. The power of the peremptory challenge is absolute. And it, it, does that web? Does your website help justify that, or, or do you? Well, even yeah, need that? you don't need a reason. You, oh, okay. That's the beauty of the peremptory challenge of judge. You don't even have to state why you want the judge off your case. It's a single page says, "I don't want this judge." Kicks them
0: I, off. I think I think they do have that, because I remember my attorney telling me that, that if we got certain judges, they would do that. Okay, awesome. So yeah. I <laughs> think, you know, I mean, we didn't. I mean, in the area I'm at, there's not that many. There was only like two. You know, it's like okay. Bill or yeah. Tom. You you're, know. you're smaller. Uh, yeah, where yeah. I was at was a little bit smaller, but... Yeah. Uh, um, so where do
1: you see this this site going? I mean, what, what are your hopes and dreams well, for it? Well, I've already got plans to expand into the political area. I'm creating a site called Our Nevada Politicians, which will track the legislature and the executive branches. Oh, wow. Okay. Those won't be as—you can't really rate them because— I mean, like with judges, you can check their error rate on appeal. Right, right. You know. But with, what I can do is at least I can connect them to their term history, their election data, and also keep track of their articles. So it will still be useful for people. And then someday it may be possible to extend extend the uh, both sites to cover all 50 states instead that of just Nevada. That would be awesome. That That's a tremendous resource. Are you working? I mean, I,
0: are you at the stage to start trying to push that now? Or are you just, that's like yes. a five-year plan or?
1: I'm already at the stage of kind of exploring the possibility, but that's really going to depend on people in the other states actually coming forward and um, showing a willingness to find the data and at least to, um, you know, indicate some kind of inclination to sort of maintain their state i don't imagine that i can maintain all 50 states i can provide that would be a lot of work it would just be yeah it would be impossible for one person to do but what i can do is provide the software infrastructure for all of the other states if i think it's worth it and that question comes down to whether or not somebody's going to be there to maintain the site and keep things running no maybe maybe it could turn into a non-profit
0: or something i mean because it It's, you know, it's something that's needed. I mean, there needs to be accountability in in the family court Well, in the political process, too. But just in the context of family court, I mean,
1: this is needed. It just blows my mind that it wasn't already done. I double-taked. I I said, I started working on the site, and I I think, I would think to myself, somebody must have done this. How can this not have been done? And I just could not find anyone who'd done it yet. I, I think part of the problem is, is that, you know, you go through these
0: experiences, and then when you when you get to the other side, it's like you don't want to you don't want to stay there. A lot of, most people are like, you know what? I did my time. I did I you know my had my successes. I had my failures. I don't want to think and deal with this anymore. You know. Yeah, and I think right. we're both unique on that because you know my site you know focusing on emotional recovery of toxic divorces, and then you focusing on the um, the legal side of it. I mean
1: a lot of people just say, okay, I'm done and move on. Exactly. That's, that's a huge part. Yeah. I think that once they're through, they don't look back and that's the, just people get churned through the system and nobody who comes out the other side wants to go back and help the others through. They're just like run for your life. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, I, you know, we were talking about this. I know we've talked about this
0: before, but you know, it just you get to the point where people are, yeah, it's not fair. You're going to get hosed, you know, you're going to lose everything, but that's just the way it is. And it's like, wait a minute. You know, come on. Let's let's take a pause here and figure something else out, or try to make some resources
1: to to help people through it and to to get some different outcomes. Right, and especially since I've, I mean, over the years, I've come to the conclusion that a lot of the the, the people that complain that you know the abuser won, just over the years, I just would see a pattern of you know, the person gave up, they tricked yeah. him, they coerced him. It, it, it was not actually that they went toe to toe in court and lost, but more so that they were manipulated. Or It just is really sad to see that these outcomes would be different if we could even get to the point of an outcome. But yeah. it's like a lot of these people are just, they're opting out. They can't afford it. They quit. Well, and you it's know. the
0: emotional drain too. I, I, there's a few people on uh, on my site that are just completely just stressed and just the emotional burden on it. And you know, I mean, just try to give them the 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 courage to just, hey, you know, stick with it. Well, we had that person earlier when we were on the live show where where they were saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm not fighting and I'm not gonna get an attorney. Right. And I think there's a lot of people who who
1: just go down that route because yeah. it is so devastating yeah it's true it's and i it's such a distant memory for me now that sometimes i come off as i think flippant even because i just have these these quick answers but believe me i remember those memories where i couldn't sleep all night yeah where i couldn't concentrate at work you know i remember them it's just they're so distant now and it's and i was there but it's almost hard to really relate to the people that are going through the process even though i've been through it and and it's not like I was immune to any of it. It's just—it's well, crazy what your mind does once you've moved past a crisis to yeah. just put it behind you. Well, and then you've also—I mean—at
0: at the time, you didn't know whether you were going to win or lose, or no. what the outcomes were going to be. I mean, that—that's the hardest part with this: is yeah. to to look at your situation and and try to maintain and have some hope. And it's so easy to let the the fear and the anxiety
1: and and the stress of this just just envelop you yeah, absolutely and and even in my case people might not believe that that's exactly what happened to me i won an appeal on attorney fees i got the decision reversed well before i had won that appeal i didn't have the confidence yeah. and so when somebody a judge imposed attorney's fees on me i settled and paid a small portion of them i could have appealed him in one but it's just when you don't well, know, you didn't know right when you don't know what's going to happen you don't have the confidence and so you get scared and yeah. you, I mean, in this case, at least I was able to reduce the amount. But now, in hindsight, having looked at and seeing what I was able to accomplish on on fighting attorney fees, I wish I could go back in time and say, "No, appeal them, you'll win." But you're right; it's you just don't know. It's and it's fear.
0: Yeah, and and the flip side to it, I mean, that's easy. And I've had similar situations for uh, on my side. But but if for the person that's in the middle of this, in the midst of this and they're not sure and i and i get it because you're you're afraid if you try to appeal or you fight something and if you lose so you're just going to empower the your your ex or
1: your adversary right. to to be worse every loss with the higher conflict ex empowers them yes it is it's one of the i hate i hate to say that because Losing is a part of any kind of struggle in life. But the problem is it gives them fuel. Yeah. So you really have to pick carefully what you're going to fight because you almost need to win. You have to win. Because, yeah, you're right. It just makes them worse when you lose. So, I mean, on top of losing and not getting what you were entitled to, now your opponent is abusing you even more. Right. So, I mean, there is a consequence. And the, (sighs) the other frustrating thing is, a lot of, no, I don't want to say the word a lot of times, but sometimes when you lose, you didn't actually really lose because later on it gets reversed on appeal. So sometimes even when you do the right thing, the judge just screws up, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. It, and it's like, what do you do in that situation?
0: Well, you know? we were talking about that earlier is that, I mean, the the unfortunate reality of family court is there's not uh, the judges don't really spend a significant amount of time. You're not going to get you know your you know when people talk about their day in court, you're not getting a day. You're getting <laughs> your five minutes in court. It's so right?
1: true. You're getting your five minutes because they have so many cases to process. They will not remember you after, and they won't know who you are coming in. However. However, I would say that probably once you started winning your appeals, they remember you. Oh, they you. definitely know me now. they It's without question. The, the thing is that they don't... It doesn't necessarily mean that they think I'm some kind of hero or genius or smart. I mean, maybe some of them do. But the the main sentiment now that I get, they know who I am, is, oh, it's this guy again. What's he want now? <laughs> it's not a positive experience. Once, right. once you finally are known, it's, it tends to not be. I've had some... And it's rare. I've had some show me smiles and be nice, but it's not the majority. Um, so you, you know, you're right. It's it's your five minutes in court. It's not your day in court. And I I don't know if this is a tangent or not. It's a little bit on point. But the um the family judges are especially prone to mistakes because the criminal judges, even though they have the same problem, they have as uh, criminal and civil in the general general jurisdiction. Even though they have the same problem as. As the family judges, in the sense that they have thousands of cases, they're getting appealed all the time. So they're getting feedback from the Supreme Court all the oh, time. talking about criminal cases. Criminal and right. general civil. So we're like, you know, non-child custody. Okay. Whereas the child custody, or the family division, they're hardly ever getting appealed. So the other judges may have the same issues, but because they're getting so much feedback constantly from the Supreme Court, oh. they start to figure out what they're supposed to do. Whereas the family judges might get one or two appeals a year and... And so when, when nobody's watching you, you just end up becoming a lawn to yourself. I mean, if nobody's there to tell you you're wrong, are you ever wrong? No. Well, if you're not being challenged on exactly. it, then your, your rulings are, are standing firm. It's like a boss that checks, checks in with you on May 5th and September 9th and never again. Yeah. It's like, you almost don't even have a boss. You you could do whatever you want. And that's, that's what ends up happening in the family courts. Yeah. No, nah, it's a it's a it's a
0: tough process. But I mean, I guess the, the main takeaway is you know hold. I mean, hold them accountable, and that's use, the only
1: use, yeah. the, use the the law to your advantage. Absolutely. Uh, it, some people are surprised to hear that, but the you know you have to force them to follow the law sometimes. And some of the appeals I've won are audacious errors. Like it was there was no other interpretation, but they ruled against me anyway. It's like I don't know what you're thinking, but. You're, you have a job. We hire you to construe the statute and apply it, and I, you you have to force them to follow the law because a lot of times I don't want to use the word a lot. Sometimes they won't do it, and it's the some judges are problem judges with higher error rates, forty to sixty percent, and other judges wow. are excellent with error rates between five and fifteen percent. Um, And it's not something that's evenly distributed within, you know, the entire system. It's, It's a problem with specific judges. But yeah, you have to hold them to task. And the only way to really do that is with, the only way to guarantee review is with an appeal. Like there's other ways you can try to, you know, fight them through the election system. Uh, Complain to the legislature, which won't do anything. Complain to the Judicial Ethics Commission, which might do something but might not. Right. You know, file a writ petition, which might get reviewed but probably won't. The appeal is the only thing that has mandatory review. Oh, okay. If you file an appeal, it must be reviewed. Of course, it's... The appeal has to be an appealable mistake that they made. Right. I've, we, I've talked on my channel about temporary orders and other oddball things that you just can't appeal. Oh, okay. But I mean, what, if you're filed an appeal that is, you know, a dispositive final order that they must hear, they have to hear it. They have to consider it and you'll get a decision. Okay, so let me ask you this. what What is – what's a typical thing from
0: the people you've you've talked to that they they're asking you about appealing and you're like, hey, this isn't really – Really, a, appealable thing. What's what's the most common thing that people are trying to
1: to utilize what you're talking about to their advantage? Uh, curiously, lately it's been contempt orders, and this is kind of a technicality, but I'm going to answer your question honestly. The Lately it's contempt orders, and Nevada just published a case stating, well, not just published, within the last 10 years, which is considered kind of recent in, in law circles, oh, Okay, published a case stating that uh, you can't appeal uh, contempt orders anymore. You have to file, challenge them by writ petition. The second most common is people who want to appeal temporary orders. You just can't do it. It's not allowed. You have to challenge by writ petition because you can't appeal them and oh, okay. then the third most common and it just does come up every now and then is somebody who tries to appeal a decision that hasn't been finalized so oh okay yeah that comes up quite often they'll there will be an order from a court that doesn't wrap everything up like there's still some things that are up in the air oh, okay and they call that an interlocutory appeal. You can do it in rare circumstances, but you usually can. One of the rare circumstances might be like for an injunction um, or like for an anti, or for a anti-slap motion, which is – these are political um, free speech motions to shut a case down. There's really rare times – Rare, rare situations where you can appeal those and so sometimes that'll come up to me i try to be really careful not to give people specific legal advice but at the same time i don't want to see them fall into a trap and so right I, it's a really, it puts me in a tough position as a non-attorney trying to help people so that they don't just become jaded and quit right and try, yeah. try to help them understand that the legal system expects you to follow its rules and you're you want to challenge this with an appeal you can't but you can challenge it with this other thing So, I mean, yeah.
0: So, let me ask you this. So, then uh, on the flip side to it, what
1: is the the most common
0: thing that people are able to appeal that they have a really good chance of of
1: winning? Such a good question. And I wish people would appeal these things, which I'm about to list. The first thing is attorney fee sanctions in child custody cases, at least in Nevada. a lot of times people get sanctions imposed on them in in, the, in this form of paying their opponent's attorney's fees because they lost. And the law says that that's not enough. Just losing is not enough to pay oh, okay. your ex's attorney's fees. They have to show that you filed something without a reasonable basis. That is hard to do. That is hard to do. And that's and why you've been successful on yes, that, Yes. Right? And I wish more people would fight these. The, um, the ju- a lot of times people think, well, the judge said it was. Well, guess what? The Supreme Court says it's not. Who's going to win that? Oh, yeah. It's not going to be your family judge. The Supreme Court is higher and they're going to reverse it. So if, you're, if you've lost a motion and you're, been for- you're being forced to pay for your opponent's attorney's fees and they haven't shown that you not only lost but that you brought it to court without any reasonable basis, which not many people do. Right. Most people will lose, but they they're there for a reason. Right. There is a basis, even though they've lost. Then you should file uh, challenge that on appeal. The second most common, I would say, is imputation of income. Oh yeah. Judges, I hate to say this, seem to be routinely imputing people's income on child support. That is something that in Nevada you can't do unless you satisfy two criteria. The first one is that you're willfully underemployed. That one's not that hard to to show. It, usually they'll just say, well, you're not working 40 hours, so you're willfully underemployed.
0: Well, you said earlier that's what they were saying about you. Exactly. Right? When, you were school. when
1: I was going to school. Well, you, couldn't, you could be working 40 hours, but, right. but your honor, I'm going to school. You know. Anyway, let me get to the second part. The second part of that analysis, and this is the one where judges fail to really conduct a thorough, you know, analysis, or the, I don't, I don't even know if they even know that this matters. Is that you have to show that the person is willfully underemployed, quote, for the purposes of avoiding child support, unquote, and that is what kills these orders. I, I just recently, uh, I think within the last month and a half, I was listening in on some child support hearings. Child Support Committee hearings, not talking about personal hearings, I'm talking about the uh, committee in Nevada that was formed to determine what the new regulations should be oh, on okay. child support. Right. Yeah, I was listening in and the, the panel of judges was talking about how it was such an issue that they shouldn't continue to do what they've been doing for the longest time. And I commented during the public comment section that the law, existing law, and existing case law already stated that they shouldn't be doing it. They didn't need to change the regulations. Existing regulations was basically stating that they needed to make sure that the person was underemployed for the purpose of avoiding child support. And I was talking to you earlier about how one of the judges on the panel was reversed literally within one week for precisely that mistake that he made. He imputed somebody's income for willful underemployment, and he didn't check to see why they were willfully underemployed. This matters. So this is another one that I wish more people would appeal because you can actually get somewhere on that appeal. And there's a few more, but unless you're interested in going into those. Well, I'll just let me continue. ask you this, though, because, I mean, there's, there's two parts of this. One is the,
0: the, the payee, right, right. where their wages are being imputed. But what about, conversely, whenever the 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 ex-spouse isn't working at all. I mean, so what, I mean, so, cause technically what kind of what sounds like what you're saying is, is that, that uh, it would be really hard for the courts to turn around and say that the stay at home parent, I mean, it's moms and dads, it's not just, you know, I mean, it's not just gender specific that, you know, at what point does this catch up to them to where they, that it
1: affects what the other, what the payee is paying? Well, that's just, that just blows open the entire contradiction with how the law is applied. First off, If the parent is a primary physical custodian, their income doesn't matter at all. So if we're talking about somebody who has primary custody, the court doesn't care if they're underemployed or not because their child support isn't being computed at all. If you're talking about a joint custody situation... You're absolutely right that this law ends up being unevenly applied because oftentimes one side is making less money because they're staying at home with the kids and for some reason the gender bias kicks in and the person who has a job is expected to work 40 hours he can't go to school he yeah. can't you know go he can't go through layoffs or furloughs or anything like that without having some serious explanation and even then he better show that he's trying to get a job like Snap of the finger. You're right. You're right. If the the law was applied evenly, it would protect both sides because a person who is a stay-at-home parent for the purposes of, I don't know, homeschooling the kids or something, that person is not willfully underemployed for the purpose of avoiding child support. Just as much as the father who is going through furloughs and can only work 30 hours a week for a while isn't willfully underemployed for the purposes of avoiding child support. Sometimes crap happens in life. Yeah. And it's not fair to impute people's income just because crap is happening. And I think I talked to you before about how the the fundamental premise is completely flawed because couples who are together often yeah. go through yeah they go through life crises married or even if they're not married even if it's just a boyfriend and girlfriend they work as a team and when mis- when problems come up in life even if it's partially i don't want to say fault but let's say somebody's going through a, a midlife crisis or they're having yeah. a mental breakdown you know, when that happens and parties are together, then there's no there's no issue. Nobody complains. They work through it. Yeah, but when you, you, you make a you cooperatively make a decision to say, "Hey, I can't do this job anymore right. because it's too stressful. So I'm going to take a right. pay cut to do something different." Right. But when you're in a when you're paying child support, all of a sudden you're a slave. Yeah. And you can't have a mental breakdown. You can't um, make a mistake. You can't get fired. You can, I mean people are human beings and yeah. things happen in life and just because they're a child support payer doesn't mean that they're suddenly not allowed to go through those normal human experiences anymore it's really frustrating to see that 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 perspective like i can get behind the notion of people being entitled to child support what i can't get behind is the notion of of people being entitled to a specific amount of child support yeah that goes too far you may be entitled to child support, but that could change depending on the real life situation of the other parent. And you just have to accept that that is how the real world works. If your if you're ex... Makes a thousand a month, and they have a, a, the stock market implodes, and they they want to get out of it because it's giving them too much stress, and they they're making a quarter of that now. I, I don't remember what the arbitrary number I made was, but the point is, people have a right to make these decisions. It's not always because they don't want to pay child support. It's not. Yeah. You know, with certain uh, personality disordered individuals, certain high conflict individuals, it's possible. But an ordinary person is going to realize that every. 80, you know every uh, dollar that they give up um only lowers their child support by 12 cents i mean if we're talking the 18% rule right so uh, in nevada one child is uh will obligate you to pay 18% of your income oh wow so um i don't know what it is in california it might be different but uh, every dollar that you lose in income, you're you're only depriving your opponent of 18 cents. So it's like it hurts you far more than it hurts them. So the, yeah. the average ordinary person is not going to see this as, you know, a viable way to get back at their opponent. They're going to see it as, you know, cutting off your eye to spite your face. I, I guess that's the way they, they yeah. use that phrase. So Well, and I,
0: and just to, the other thing to clarify on this, because I know we were talking about this last, I think it was last year. Because uh, I got some information about California being a little bit different, or recently changing, and you did some research on that. So I guess my my comment on that is that people need to also realize that every state is different in how they determine imputed wages and, and what the
1: expectations are. Right. I do believe that California does impose a much more... Um, it does impose a stricter obligation to work. Yeah, we were surprised by that. I was I, very surprised I remember when it.
0: I called you, because when I first heard that from the child, Department of Child Support Services, because they were saying, hey, you know, you're, I mentioned that my ex wasn't working. Right. And they're like, hey, you know, you need to ask for uh, an adjustment because we don't care. And uh, I called you and you looked
1: it up and you were surprised. I remember you said, I was wow. surprised. Based on what I read, it looks like California can impute your income if you go to school but i uh, at the very least it doesn't look like they should be doing that to people who are having hourly wage reductions yeah. uh, hourly reductions loss of job but yes you're, that is concerning
0: so i mean i guess the, the my my point on that is just that depending on your area you definitely need to to check out what the specifics are because i mean even with what we're just talking about i mean we're not you know we're we're just a few hundred miles away from each other and your the way Nevada is compared to the way California appears to be, I didn't test it. So, I mean, right. we, don't, we don't necessarily know <laughs> what the reality really would have right. been. But um, so definitely check in to, you know, look into that because it, it could be even worse or it could be more in your favor. Right, right. So the other thing... <sighs> these whole situations are just, just complicated. But uh, what is, what's some advice you would give to somebody who's at the beginning stages of this, trying to, trying to navigate this minefield of, of chaos to, to help them? I mean, what, what would be your
1: advice for them? Well, I have a few pieces. I think the first one would be that you should not wing it and that you should not tell yourself that. Good advice. I almost choked on coffee on that one. Don't wing it. Don't don't go in there thinking that if something goes wrong you can fix it later because I, a lot of times oh, that's yeah, how we deal with things in life like We kind of just go through life, and if something goes wrong, we decide, okay, this is a critical area. We need to put extra attention here and figure out how to fix it. Court doesn't work that way. You need to put all of your attention on the issue that's before you now. Because if something goes wrong, you cannot go back and fix it, at least not without jumping through 20 extra hoops and hurdles. So that's one of the biggest pieces of advice is don't think that you can just go back in time because it's very hard to do in the court system. It does not... it it goes forward with rare exceptions. The machine goes in one direction and good luck trying to turn it around. Um, The other piece of advice is you need to learn as much as you can about the different terms and mechanisms. So there's different types of hearings, you know, there's different types of court papers, there's different types of expectations that are associated with these different types of hearings and court papers there's different types of due dates on what, whatever is in front of the court when it's just you have to learn these little nuggets of information so that you just don't go in totally ignorant. You, yeah. There's nothing you can do about your experience because you're not an attorney. Right. So you can't fix that. But you can, at, at the very least, you can look and, and try to figure out what's going on. Like, what is you'll look at your docket and see mediation, and then you'll see settlement, and then you'll see case management conference. Don't just go in there clueless without even doing research on figuring out what the difference is between all of these types of things. You know, how does mediation work? Why is settlement called settlement and and not mediation? Is that different? What's involved there? You know, what's this case management conference? What's going to happen? You can look these things up and have a little bit more confidence in the average person because you'll have done a little bit of research as to what's going on. And um, I guess the last piece of advice I would say is when it comes down to it, what works in court is the law. A lot of people, they don't like it. They don't like the sound of that because they're not lawyers and they're afraid that they're going to look stupid. They're afraid that they're going to maybe piss off the judge because they're trying to act like a lawyer. The system forces you to do this. So just stop feeling bad about it. The only thing that controls the courtroom is the law. And so you have to... Go and read statutes. You have to go and read rules, court rules, statutes, case law. Going and looking at YouTubes on, on you know, what you should wear and how you should present yourself is only going to get you so far. In fact, it won't get you very far at all. The statutes, rules, and case law is where all of the power is. Because when you properly cite it, you preserve your rights. And when your rights are preserved, you can challenge them on appeal. You can challenge the decision of the judge on appeal. If you don't challenge or if you don't preserve your right in the lower court, you cannot all of a sudden say, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. I'm mad. I'm going to go to the Supreme Court now and argue all of the things that I should have argued yeah. but didn't. Oh, that's a good point. People do that all the time. And there's actually rules in this, in, in appellate court stating that if you don't cite something if you don't argue something in the trial court, we will not listen to you on appeal it, it, you, and it's frustrating because so many people they put so little effort into their hearing or into you know their whatever they're filing right, and then when they lose all of a the sudden, they just want to put in all this work. And they just don't realize that you just can't do it now. You put in the work
0: in the beginning. Yes. And if it fails, then you have something to get on. So exactly. you're almost better at adding more stuff in there because then there's more of a chance that there might be an error, I guess. Well, more of a chance that you can contest the error. And, it, and realistically,
1: more of a chance that you might win your argument in the first place. It, that's what I was about to get to. Okay. When you start to argue your case, exactly as you described, you stand apart. And it's more likely that you'll actually end up winning. It's like by preparing for the appeal, you end up not needing to appeal. Oh, see, okay, that's an interesting way to look at. So, so
0: go in preparing for the appeal. Go, in other words, make sure your arguments are sound. Make sure they're backed up by statutes. Make sure that if, if you, the decision doesn't basically follow what, you're, what you read it should be, then you have a reason to go back and say, I'm appealing this because Judge Smith ruled this way, and the statute says it's, it's ruled it's pink, but the statute says it's blue, and he's wrong,
1: right? I mean, so exactly. you have... Exactly. You could not have stated it more clearly. That's exactly what it is. People wonder how I win appeals, and that's exactly how I win them. The last two appeals, it was precisely like that. Wow. Uh, one time a judge, he didn't laugh at me, but he chuckled at me. I, I said, you know, Your Honor, I, I, want, uh, I want costs under this statute. He said, why? Well, that's what the statute says. And then he chuckled. And denied it. I filed an appeal. Reversed. He granted it. After that, because he was forced to. It's exactly the way you said. Yeah. But you at least you knew what your you knew what your going in position was, and you knew the rules. So you, you, yes. You, you read the rules for the game. Yes. And I want to comment on that because a lot of people complain that the judge has made his mind up when they went into the courtroom. That is absolutely true. Most of the time, the judge has made his mind up when you when when by the wow. time you've walked into court. But you can control that with filing pleadings and papers that are clear, concise, and state the law. You, I took advantage of that. I would file briefs with the court that were articulate, that were thorough, and that explained the law. And when I'd go into court, the judge would have already decided in my favor many times.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying.
1: Oh, you're saying use that process use to that your advantage. Use that process oh, okay. to your advantage. Absolutely. It's, instead of it being a bias that's against you, use it to your advantage. Absolutely. And you know what? I hate to say wow, this, but a lot I of... I hadn't thought about that. I, I, I hate to say this, but I'm really not fond of hearings. Once you learn how the law works yeah, and you learn how to file briefs that, that articulate the law in an accurate, thorough manner, hearings don't matter as much as they used to. Wow. You know, I really, I, I'm happy oftentimes with putting in my motion. I don't even want a hearing. There's no, there's no facts for you to decide. This oh, is just pure. It's all
0: there. Just, just this is
1: pure law. Wow. If it's pure law, if I just need you to interpret law, why do I even need to go in and talk? i mean once you get good at that you don't even need because you just need them to rule and if they rule wrong then you still have your appeal i just process. go on appeal like why am i going to waste my turn talking to somebody who thinks i'm wrong just <laughs> rule against me and let me go to the next step and i and that's I, you know, funny i'm trying to think um three uh, no all four all four of the appeals that i've won were uh no hearing the judge denied my motion without a hearing And I didn't complain and say, I can't believe I didn't get to go in there and flap my gums. No, I was just like, thanks for the quick denial. I'm going to go over your head now. Yeah. And it's just quicker and cheaper because then you don't have to pay for the transcripts. I'm helping somebody right now who did the exact opposite. And he went through like six hearings and he has to pay $4,000 in transcripts. Oh, dear God. So he lost his case. And it's it's like almost purely legal issues. I can't think of any facts that are up in the air. So he didn't even need the hearings because it's pure questions of law. And he went through all these hearings, the opponent hired an expert, and he had to pay $4,000 for transcripts that I really don't even see the purpose of. This could have just been done on the briefs. So it's like you end up paying more money by insisting on this right to go in in and and talk to the judge. You know, you're being heard with the pleadings and papers. You are 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 being heard. heard. Oh, that's a good point. It's just people want to go in and talk. And I'm not saying that there is no purpose of... Evidentiary hearings because there is a purpose for them. I just don't think they're needed all the time. They're really not. That's a good point. I wish more stuff would be done on the papers. It would be less stressful for a lot of people in the family court. Well, because then you don't have to actually show up, right? Yeah, it's stressful going in there and, and... being on the hot seat and, you know, like I said, there's a time and place for hearings. You know, right. contempt of court, you got to go in there. You know, changing custody, oftentimes there's facts. You got to go in there for a hearing. But there's a lot of other really small issues like that just uh, – there's no point in it. And there's no there's no reason to raise up ra- – ratchet up your costs, ratchet up your attorney fees, complicate an appeal if it needs to happen because now you have to get a transcript and cite the transcript. It's just – it's it's overrated really. Yeah. So the whole, you know, prepare your case and maybe when you go into court, the judge will have already made up his mind up in your favor instead of your opponents. I mean, that's that's the key. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and
0: so when you were talking about um, educating yourself, I mean, and you're talking about researching stra- uh, uh, statues and stuff. But right. you have a lot of information on on your
1: website, to, or not your website, but your U- YouTube channel, covering these specific specific topics, right? Right, and that's what's well, one of the things that I decided to do with the channel. It, uh, it has many purposes, but one of the purposes is to just at least throw the definitions of some of these things out yeah. there, because people don't know what clear and convincing evidence is. Yeah, you know, people don't know what peremptory challenge of judge means. You know, it's, these things or people should know these things even if they sound scary because it's like you go into court with you know a hand and a foot tied behind your back if you don't know anything right right it's like trying to play Monopoly without knowing the rules. It's so disadvantaged. Uh, it, it puts you in such a disadvantage. You have to know as much as you possibly can. Well, and no one's going to—your
0: opponent's not going to help you, in the, and for the most part, a judge isn't going to turn around and try to train you. It's like if you don't know
1: it, it's on you, right? Right. The judges don't have time, really. Yeah. You know, the best judges are the ones who've been judges for a long time just because— they've seen so many arguments that if you go in there and you don't know what you're doing, they might remember something from another hearing that they can help you out with. But you're playing with dice. It is such a risky thing to go into court and think, oh, I only care if my judge is good. And if not, then I don't care. If I lost, oh, well, my judge wasn't that good. You can take a lot more control over your case than you think. Well, that's important. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah
0: all right well, hey guys, uh, thanks for hanging out with us and if you haven 't checked out alex 's channel and his website, you definitely have to do that i 'll put links in the show notes uh, and in the description of the video but but uh, check out his channel, subscribe, hit the bell notification if you 're on YouTube for it and uh, um, there is a ton of information on his channel. Thanks, Alex for hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. great to finally actually sit across from you and, and have a conversation. Your pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me, Dwayne. All right, guys. Uh, we shall see you on the next, uh, the next podcast. Take care. Bye.